Off the Ball with BetDuck.com, the sports betting exchange. Serious about sports 24-7. Every season, every sport, every team. All right, Brian O'Driscoll is with us this Friday evening. How are you doing? Great, yeah, really good. Uh, enjoying the Ryder Cup? Just getting into it. I'm surprised you're not over there with, uh, you know... Didn't make the cut, <laughs> literally. <laughs> uh, Paulie's speech was apparently amazing. Had them all eating out of the palm of his hands. We kind that of expected not, that. That does not surprise me. He wasn't. He wasn't giving that away. It was like I'm going to be there. Yeah. Again, that doesn't surprise yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. No, he knew exactly what he was doing and what his role remit was. But yeah, the typical fashion that he was paying it down. Is he a good uh, speaker in those instances? Well, I, I don't. In in oh. general, he's an excellent speaker. Yeah. I think he's a. That's one of his real strong points in leadership. He. I think he hits the right notes at the right time and knows when to speak, when to really um, really know when to G people up and when he went to say the quiet word as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure he did a wonderful job. I wonder, does it work in golf? Yeah, it's a strange one because it's not that emo- it's a different someone. sort of emotional game where yeah. you, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, let's get going. Okay, now I really need to concentrate. And, Danny Willis' and brother get everyone out of my head. heard the speech. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Here, listen, the Ruben Pinar story, we were talking about it a good bit during the week. Uh, you've got a different take. You're not entirely convinced that they need to make a special. So uh, we were kind of generally on Wednesday night rugby saying that, uh, look, Pinar is very important to this Ulster team at this point in their development and they should make a special dispensation for the last couple of years of his career. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen. I I don't know if he's only got a, a last couple of years. I think he's got you know looking at the, at the shape that he's in, he's got plenty right. to, to to go ahead. He could play definitely for another three or four years. Looking at the at the way he plays the game, the way he minds himself, the way he manages the game. Yeah. Um, so necessarily think it's the last couple. Um, I I do. I I I absolutely feel for the Ulster fans because. I was listening to Jerry on, on, on Wednesday and, and it is sending the wrong message out to overseas players. We don't want guys in the winter of their career coming over and just you know, picking up their pension over here and, and you know, life's easy. Yeah. And you know, just they're, they're kind of whittling down towards their final days in, in kind of, and, and in poor shape. And you see, you've seen foreigners coming over, not, not only here, but in, in France and the UK and, and some all blacks that have yeah. almost switched off mentally. We, we don't want that. We want guys in their prime and that's what they got and he has been a phenomenal story for them. But the issue is that he's playing in a position that the national team is crying out for players. Yeah. And and that's why you look across the board with other players with you know, Issa Nasiwa and Piatau and Ludic. They're all playing in a position in the back three where we have lots of back three players and we're not being squeezed. But if you look the Irish setup and look beyond Conor Murray. The gulf from him to probably Kim Garmarmian next is enormous, and we need to get more nines playing regularly because it hasn't worked over the last seven years that they've watched him training and picked up little tidbits, but then being able to do it and, and step up to the plate themselves. Yeah, one of the things that um, we've we've talked about as well is how dependent we would be on Sexton, for example. And then Sexton obviously missed a good portion of last year and Madigan didn't step up to the level that he would have needed to to nail down, say, even being seconds for Ireland. And now Joey Carby has emerged and suddenly everybody thinks actually we're going to be okay in a while if Sexton goes because Paddy Jackson's going to be a bridge between them. And you see the benefit of Carberry getting games. Mm. Like he's going to get a load of games playing for Sexton. And he's young. Yeah. He is young. And I didn't know much about... Carberry other before this preseason, the truth be known, I'd heard he played a bit for Clontarf, and he was a nice young player, but not yeah, not not the talent that he he's certainly shown in his first few outings. Um, so the games matter. So they do. So, so they do in 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 certain 
situations where, you know, okay, the, the necessity now is that Ulster have to find themselves an Irish qualified scrum half. That's It certainly appears to be that. And some players um, shock you when they go out and, and take to the pitch and all of a sudden you, you kind of look and go, I've never seen that at training. Yeah. Where, where did that come from? And they need one of those situations to arise. I never remember uh, Johnny Sexton. Um, you know, I, I didn't anticipate him becoming the player that he that he became. It looked like he was on his way out of rugby or, or going to go to England or potentially, you know, if... Yeah, he was frustrated behind, yeah. you know, Felipe who was... Um, you know, definitely one of the best 12s in the world, not necessarily always the best 10 in the world. Yeah. Um, and Johnny you know, was not going to sit on the bench for much longer. But what we had seen wasn't set the world alight stuff. Whereas, you know, the Johnny Sexton uh, that he's become is is was as a result of playing in big games, pressurised situations, and it brought the best out of them. And you've got to hope that there's, you know, there's a number of young scrum halves in Ulster. Maybe none of them are showing enormous promise to be the next great white hope. But at the same time, you'd have to imagine that there's there's scope in one of them to improve massively if they do get game time. Yeah, uh, one of the other things we we spoke about was um, how uh, Ulster at the moment are playing a, a really attractive brand of rugby. We're going to talk about it with Les Kiss, who's going to join us in a couple of minutes' time. But one of the things they're doing is that they're not making Paddy Jackson be the first receiver at every available opportunity. So it takes a bit of pressure off him. It allows other players to come in. It, it creates a sense of flow and unpredictability. Um, again, we were talking on Wednesday about how if Sexton is playing for Ireland, there tends to be a, well, it's going to be Sexton, his first receiver. He's getting smashed. The opposition are coming at him. And it's maybe, you know, it's not that it's Sexton's fault, no, I, I think Johnny is a little bit that Johnny does like getting in first receiver himself. I remember you know, playing uh, playing with him and trying to push him out because Johnny was a better passer than me. So if I could get in first receiver and throw a shorter, snappier pass to him, I, you could use his 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 width off his passes off either side to get into the outside channels much more effectively than maybe uh, you could if I was in in that position. So that's why I pushed him out. He does like controlling an awful lot. The important thing is if, if you are to do it with Johnny, you've got to set really early and make sure that he understands and and not leave anything to doubt. If you actually shout at him, and, and, and even when you're calling in phase plays to him, and I wonder how much noise he's hearing from his outside backs at Leinster. I know with Ireland and Jared Payne at 13, mentioned before what great chat he gets from small talk in defence and in attack. So he's his eyes for him, knowing where the space is or whether he's to hit him or whether he's to hit Robbie Hench or whoever yeah. the centres are. So tens do, I don't care who they are, they love that small chat. And so even, even Johnny Wilkinson, who like control everything, tens like getting... Um, input fed into them to be able to then make their decision and, and make it more rounded. That's where the information is coming from. It, it's obviously a source of information for them so they're opening themselves up to it. Maybe sometimes when we see him taking the ball all the time it's because he's not getting that information. And, I, I'd say and there's a good them. chance and, and in fairness you know, you look at someone like Gary Ringrose is very new to the, to the professional game. Ben Teo was new into rugby union last year, so I, I or he'd only played a couple of years of it, so I don't know how much chat he was having from him. No yeah. read. I don't ever remember a training being a great, a huge communicator. I would have said Luke Fitzgerald at twelve was was pretty good at uh, at talking. Um, and sometimes it's just about demanding the ball. It's like I I need the ball. I remember Johnny Wilkinson like controlling everything, but I remember the try that I, I scored in the Lions in two thousand and one. I demanded the ball from him. So I left on no uncertain terms that he had to hit me with it. Yeah. And if he didn't, he knew he would have been getting a bit of a bollocking. Yeah. 
Um, you were quite young to be given him well, a Well, Johnny was him. younger than me, so, so I was, that was all right. Was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, but were you always like that, as a demanding? Like, so if Noel Reed isn't like that at the moment, how do they, or even if Henshaw's not like that at the moment, how do you fix it? You've got to, you've got to, it's got to come out of your shell. But also, also that should be instinct. When you see something, you get, you, you know, you see a, a, a space or two forwards in front of you. Yeah. You Call. can't help that excitement. You go, oh my God, there's two big units yeah. here. I'm not as big a unit and there's a, there's a gap there. I think I can get through it. Yeah. And so that I'd was... Love, I'd that, love to play poker with you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at my hands! <laughs> I know, literally, I, I am absolutely brutal. But um, yeah, so so it is, it's it's just demanding it. And sometimes it's demanding that you're the one that's missed. Yeah. And calling it, it's not a case of just calling it because, you know, you want to get involved in the game. You've got to call it smart. Yeah. Um, and that builds but, up the trust, obviously, when you do it, and exactly, and stuff it's happens. Not, it's not just you, you know, calling the ball on you. Yeah. Um, before we get to Les Kiss, what did Kiss inject into the the Ireland setup when he arrived in two thousand and nine? Um, he was great for us. He, I think, he was the first guy to bring a. You know, and before Joe came along, everyone talks about Joe and his attention to detail. I think Kissy's attention to detail was phenomenal. Um, and going back, you know, two thousand and nine, I don't think other other teams that I've been involved in certainly. Were, you know, were that willing to put the hours and the graft in and, and do that amount of analysis. I used to always, we'd have pre-meetings before our defensive meetings with the backs right. just to make sure the information was good and the messaging was going to be good and there was huge clarity. Yeah. So just, he he he, he was not a box ticker, but he, he, he just was, make, he made sure that his analysis was on point and that there was no room for margin for error and, and uncertainty because... Particularly with younger players, you can't allow that 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 uncertainty creep in. Because particularly in defence, yeah, uh, there has to be a, a, a clear understanding as to what way you, you are defending in your system. He didn't have a huge reputation when he came over as well. I mean, obviously, people very much in the know would have been like, oh, "Okay, so this guy's good," but uh, it turns out he's been really good. Yeah, he's been excellent. Um, he's very very likable. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's very he's you know coaches. Certain coaches can be strange. You know, he, he's the sort of guy that if he's sitting down at at dinner, you'll pro- you'll likely choose the seat next to him. Yeah, because you know it doesn't always have to be rugby. It doesn't. You know, the chat will be good. He's fun. He's engaging. He's you know, you know, he's probably. I'm sure he was a bit of a lad back in the day. But you know, he's a rugby league player, so yeah. <laughs> you know, he, was, he he knows the story. He he you know he'd, he'd some fun times too. So it was, you know, sharing all those stories. He he he's someone that you wouldn't be shying away from doing that, and that's not always the case with coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. Um, what are your expectations for Ulster? Are they going to win a trophy this year? Do you think? Um, they've just they've always flattered to deceive with this last ten years. Um, I've I've felt, I, I still feel. I'd be concerned for them in the pack. They have, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the best backlines in Europe. In that current crop uh, playing, we still have Trimble, Gilroy, and Tommy Bow all to return. Yeah, if they get a full complement to choose from, they could pick two very good backlines. Um, maybe with the exception of the second scrum half, but that's for <laughs> that's for another day. But in fairness, Paul Marshall steps up to the plate sometimes and comes off the bench and, yeah. and does a good job. I don't want to to write him off, but um, I. I I wonder, you know, Europe, I don't think so. I don't think any of the Irish provinces are really going to, when it gets to knockout stage, are they going to be able to live with the best teams? Maybe Ulster and, and maybe Leinster. It's still early in the season to really know. Yeah. Um, you're going to need an awful lot of luck along the way. But I think Pro 12-wise, I don't see why Ulster can't. They they tend to be perennial semi-finalists. 
get to getting to the odd final. Yeah. You just sense that they, they they need their little bit of luck and they're getting closer and closer. And it does help when you constantly knock on the door. It does look like they're the best place team. Cardiff have started the season really well as well, but Ulster have like the the win last weekend was beautiful tries, deep hard running against a team who expect to win at home and mm. that's that's the type of performance and they were behind late in the game as well they look like a really really well coached team yeah. I think they have a very clear understanding as to how they're playing the game they're playing to their strengths they're playing an expansive brand they're getting one-on-ones like Piatau into space he's pretty you know, good isn't he he is just so good <laughs> to watch he is he's going to be brilliant this year every game we're talking we're talking about him in here and I'm sure no doubt on, on, on the TV when we get to, to Europe I'll be chatting to chatting about him as well. He, he got multiple uh, Man of the Match awards in Europe last season, yeah. so expect more of the same. All right, we've got to take a quick break. Les Kiss is standing by. 53106 is the text number. If you want to get in touch with us here, you can tweet the show at Off The Ball. Off The Ball with BetDAC.com, the sports betting exchange. Serious about sport 24-7. Every season, every sport, every team. All right, I'm delighted to say we've got Les Kiss with us. Uh, Les, how are you getting on? Uh, good. Yeah, not bad at all. Thanks, guys. Uh, often poor, it's reasonably happy. But um, look, we've left a couple of points out there, but it's good to be in that position. Top of the table. Life is pretty good. Um, you must be pretty pleased with how the team are playing. They're playing a really vibrant attacking brand of rugby. It's great to watch. Yeah, look, it is pleasing to see some aspects of our game come through in that way. But I do think there's you know, a lot said about our forward pack probably... You know, not being uh, the best of forward packs in some people's minds, but you know they're they're a really good grafting bunch with a lot of talent in there. But they, they I think they've been instrumental in in terms of putting that hard hard graft up front and make some opportunities out wide as well. So um, you know I think from my perspective, you know we, we've we've had a bit of both some really good tough tight rugby, but also you know some good expressive rugby. Just on that point, Kizzy, do you think? You're playing a, a faster tempo game because maybe you don't have the ball carriers you had in previous years, and is that a conscious thing? If, if in fact you are uh, looking to play that way, yes, it is a, a, a conscious thing. Where you know, like every team, I guess, Trico, you know that the that quality of ball speed of ball makes a massive difference. We're trying to be more efficient with how we uh, uh, position ourselves. Uh, to, to take on the contact area, to, to work a, uh, a space around the ball that we can get that ball out quicker. Um, one of the, the qualities that that uh, any team has is when they have front football, all your good points come through really strongly. Um, and you know, that's what we're trying to get to. We are definitely trying to work on the fact that you don't guarantee that every time. You know, sometimes games to get tough and we've got to be able to work off, you know, some back foot ball as well. And I think we have done that reasonably well at times as well. I think you would have probably noticed uh, with young Brett Heron coming in, he's more of an instinctive kicker. Um, Jacko can kick and I think he's found good space as well. So when we haven't been going forward as well, we've been able to find alternative spaces on the pitch and uh, to exploit. And at times we've been able to just use our more, which we've, we've had a bit of a bit of joy from. But, but definitely trying to make sure that we're efficient in that in that ball carry and, and clean out area to, to create that, that space for us. 
Yeah, I think as well, just looking at a couple of the performances, Radney IU seems to be a, good, a real find for you. You know, there's that bit of ballast thrown in there. He's had had a couple of good carries at the weekend. And just, a, it, it's another person for the defence to keep an eye on besides, you know, Ian Henderson, who seems to be a real go-to ball carrier prior to Coetzee coming back, prior to Rory Best really getting his teeth back into things. So it's, it's I suppose, it looks as though it's been a great signing on your behalf. Yeah, really happy with, with how Rodney's going. I've got to say, Drico, it, it's it's um, one of those signings you, you know that there's going to be some work with it. Rodney you know, probably has never been the fittest sort of player, but we've worked on him in a different way, different energy systems in our pre-season. Uh, we tried to engage him in more explosive, accelerating way rather than a you know a power, just a powerhouse. Uh, we've tried to make him more of an explosive player. He's responded to the form of training that we've done with him. Uh, we've also utilised him in our game plan in different ways. It's no secret now that we use him rather than using the line out of the five man. We, we use him as an option in, in midfield as a hit up guy rather than the line out. And um, similarly, how we use Nick Williams, and he you know he, he enjoys that type of stuff. And when you get the ball in his hand a, a little bit more often with a bit more space, it, it is quite explosive. And last week we saw a couple of good damaging runs from it. And, uh, look, he's finding his feet. He's, he's got around about fifty to fifty five minutes of good game time without sort of falling off too much. Uh, you know, it's a lot of work. He, he's a really honest boy. You, you front him up with, in the right way about his work rate and work ethos. He, he's willing to take that in the chin and work hard. And work. So we're really pleased with that. And, and on top of that, his scrumming has been very good for us. We were chatting earlier on, you were saying how Ulster seem to be one of the teams at the moment who are going off first phase ball. They're, they're going to attack you from a scrum. They're going to attack you from a line out in a way that maybe has gone out of trend recently. Yeah, it used to be a really in vogue thing. I don't know, maybe seven, eight years ago. And definitely with Ireland, you know, uh, in your early years, Kissy, it was a real focus because we felt we had a, a pretty impressive backline and we could cause damage if we got good set piece ball. And it just feels as though Ulster are bringing that back in. Obviously, that you look at, at, at throughout their backline and they're littered with class, and it, it's you know it's, it'll be that question if you do have a full complement to pick from Kissy is who who in time do you leave out? But they're the sort of good headaches that yeah. you'd be looking forward to. But it definitely looks as though there's there's a bit of ingenuity going in there, and I'd I'd love to know obviously and feel free to take the credit for it. But are people like Charles, <laughs> you know, Piatau, bringing new plays to you know to to training for guys to try out and just just tweaking things a small bit and not not just copying stuff that you've seen down in the Super 15 or whatever, but actually coming up with your own plays that sides haven't seen in the past, not just a regurgitation of a play that hasn't been done for three years. Yeah, yeah it's like anything, Drico. The, the actual certain players that you see in the game certainly evolve from something that's been done before. But yeah, we've certainly tapped into Charles's expertise there. And also, um, you, know, you can have a play that you design, you're looking at certain space, but... When you've got someone like him who can say, well, I can work that space for you, it makes a massive difference because you know what his footwork can do. But then when you combine that with a Stu Olding, a, a Luke Marshall, a, a Cavey who runs beautiful lines to hold people, um, and not to mention Jared Payne, and then on the edges we have, you know, you've got a little bit more scope to work with without a doubt. And, and I, I've got to say that's on both sides of the ball. You mentioned back in my early years with, you guys, uh, with the Irish team when you were there, Drico, we utilised it in defence as well. If you've got that type of agility and speed and now in a back line you can utilise it very effectively in your defence as well but but we have had a, a fair bit of traction in our back line but uh, I, I think someone who who should be, give, be given a bit of credit to is, is Neil Doak Neil Doak's a you know, really good back line coach he's, he's growing as a coach and um, he's doing a good job there as well with those starters but 
but the combination between him and, and Alan Clark in terms of getting the right set piece to present the platform has been something that we've worked on and it's coming through for us at the moment. Yeah, I, I, yeah. and one thing I think that's been very noticeable this year too is how you've been getting the ball to do the work for you. There's been a huge amount of pre-contact passing, not just from, from backs, but from forwards alike. And I think it, it was typified in, in the Paddy Jackson score at the weekend. The decision-making has, was, has been excellent in general of when to give the pass, not giving it on contact, other, a lot of it beforehand, but also then offloads afterwards. Is that something that worked, you worked on an awful lot during pre-season? Yeah, it is. And it's, hard, it's a hard thing to actually put into practice and training when you, you don't want to go full contact all the time. I think the biggest part we've worked on in that area is mindset, um, you know, creating a, a, a mindset where things are possible, create expectation. And then once you create expectation, that if you follow in a support line, you, you are, you're expecting that there's a, a possibility to continue play rather than just go to point to point, that there is some of that that's been developed around it. Um, it is a hard thing to to engineer physically into your training, but we have tried a few things in that area. Some of it, um, I think, also comes from people's natural ability if you allow them to explore it, and I think that's come through for us as well. Is it a, has it been a major focus? It's been a a focus that's been aligned with other things that we need to do. We still know that the most important uh, component for us is to to get the ball with good workspace so that the defence isn't right on you. So we've worked on different ways that we're receiving the ball and, and where we receive it and, and how long the ball's in the air, et cetera, so that we have more control over how, how we enter the contact zone. Um, but that component in, in being able to know that when it's not on, to be able to ride, ride the hit, ride the contact, and then be efficient, like I said earlier, about how we can deliver ball at the back of the ruck. So there's been a combination of things that have come into it, but we certainly challenged them um, massively in the off-season and, in the early games, and uh, you know, we've seen a little bit of light. There's a lot more work to come. We, we're, we're cognizant of the fact that it can bite you if you get it wrong, um, and that's why we've worked on other systems around it to, to cover ourselves if it does go pear-shaped. Yeah, to, to make sure that you don't find yourself getting into a sevens brand of, of rugby yeah. where it's you know laissez-faire yeah. and offloads you know for for fun, but making sure that you're getting the balance between the attritional side of things, but also good yeah. quality decision making. Yeah, yeah, and that's why sometimes you need. The management around that nine ten, but also a back row and, and and working in tight tight channels at times, and just keeping it tight at times in the right way. You need a balance. You can't have it all of one way. Um, we're trying to make sure that we understand the ebb and flow to get that tactical acumen to a point where they run it themselves out there and see it without messages coming on. I think there's still the challenge, but I think every team has that challenge. You mentioned the control, the importance of control at nine and ten. Obviously, the Ruin Pinar situation is something that has it, it's hit the public domain um, recently. Now that I, I opened myself up there, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> now that it's out there, what are your thoughts on on what's going on and what's going to happen? In terms of um, Ruin for the rest of the year, or, or, well, or I, I mean, I suppose Ruin for the rest of the year. We all expect him to continue to play at the, yep. the incredibly high level and to be an inspiration for the team. Which only serves to remind us all about what you're going to be missing next year, really. Yeah. Well, look, um, you know, there was a lot of uh, you know, things in the media about it, and there probably will be continue to be so at different times. And and I guess that's just a reflection of people's you know respect and, and, and admiration for a guy like Ruan. That's you know, there are decisions that have to be made in balance. Um, you know, Ru has been there for a long time, and we understand that. Uh, you know, we we certainly put 
some options on the table to to mitigate that and and you know you know negotiate timelines of or timeframes of how many games he played etc. But that's the process you negotiate it. Um, I don't think we're ever going to escape the fact that people are going to have an opinion around it. That's for sure. But we it's about respecting all all parts of the story and. Um, one of the key things is that we did want to stay. It just wasn't possible. And there are some critical decisions that need to be made that were made in in the interest of of making sure that nines were prevalent in the Irish system. So, uh, you know, that's the way it goes. We understand the balance where there's no animosity in that in any way from our side of things. So ultimately, it would have been lovely love kept. And if it could change now, I, you know, I think everyone would be agreeable that he could stay. But the, the story is he's not here. Uh, we have to move on. We have a lot of Irish nines underneath. We've got uh, Paul Marshall. We've got Angus Lloyd, who we brought up from Trinity from last year. We've got Dave Shanahan. We've got a young guy, Johnny Stewart, who's 19. He'll be coming through over the next three years. And we've also got the service of Aaron Cairns at the moment, who's a sevens player who's been playing up here. Uh, and I really like the look of him as well. So we've, we've tried to stock it up and, and make sure that we can develop them while we're still here. Kizzy, if, if you take your Ulster hat off for a second, can you understand... Why the IRFU have have made the decision, um, and and can you step away from it and 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 understand that is it seven years that Ruin will have been there, over that period of time, that no player has come through, no player has has been exposed enough to his training methodology, all of the the lessons they would have learned from seeing him day in day out, to be able yeah, to put look, themselves in a position to get out and take over for from him. So maybe as a result, um. The hand is being forced a little bit, in, and they're going to have to try a different tack and just give guys game time, whether they're up to the up to the standard or not. They have to try and find their way into professional rugby. I suppose a little bit like maybe Johnny Sexton. Everyone has to remember that Johnny Sexton, you know, when he started out, isn't the Johnny Sexton that he has become. No one expected him to become that player. I don't think so. I certainly didn't. And he evolved. So maybe there is someone within the camp that has that capability of becoming a better player than the talent they're initially showing. Um, would suggest. Yes, that's right, and and you have to look at it from all angles. Um, you know, you, the, the arguments are on on both sides, but you know, we fully respect the decision. There's no problems. Uh, it, that's what it was. But the, you know, it's what he gave, what he influenced around the pitch for us. Otherwise, to allow Paddy to grow and evolve, and allow our Ford Packers, you know, that hasn't been as dominant or as or as big and big names as other. Irish provinces probably over the last years, but we're we're starting to build that strongly. I'm really happy with how we're we're um, you know bringing players in that can actually strengthen that and give us more ballast and more you know, more penetration there and more and more overall in our forward pack. So it, it serves a purpose and otherwise in terms of making sure a lot of good young backs can play at a certain level. So there is the other benefit to it, but look, in the end, yes, we've got Paul Marshall and a couple of the guys I mentioned that will get more exposure if if Rue's not here or when Rue's not here. So we've got to look at the upside of that and make sure that it works as best we can. So um, just to understand, Kessie, have you been told by the IRFU that there, that with Ruin going, you you will only be able to select a scrum half from the pool that you currently have or from Irish qualified players for next year? Is 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 that uh, the situation that, we find ourselves in? Yeah, well, there's no, been no direction either way in terms of whether you can go foreign or not. But we, you know, we're looking at what we've got in options at, uh, internally. We're obviously looking at some external options as well. But the all Irish qualified that we've offered at this stage, it really would defeat the purpose of of ruin leaving if you were in actual fact. 
then offered the opportunity of going and getting another foreigner, though. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I don't think that'd be the case. So, you know, from our perspective, we would we wouldn't probably do that anyway. Uh, that that's the message. It's clear, and um, you know, we we have to back what we have, and and, and we do. You know, Marsh is a good player, and he'll do a good job for us. We you know we'll look in the market, and we've obviously done it already, and and, 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 and making sure we can get that resource in the way we need to and, and get some good backup in that area. So whatever we get would be, um, I would say, Irish qualified at this stage. Les, can I take you back to whenever you got the the call to uh, interview or whatever whatever the process was to join the Ireland management setup way back in 2009? Did you anticipate that it was going to end up with you becoming a part of the Irish rugby fabric, that you'd still be here eight years mm-hmm. later? Uh, yeah, it's a really good question, Joe. Um, you know, Drico might be able to answer better than me, but I, I remember Drico once or twice on the line there asked if you'd be a reference for me and in terms of um, duties that were I was considering uh, during my tenure with the Irish team. But um, part of me, part of me, I think, uh, if I may say, just I, I fit with the psyche here. I, I, I thought I did anyway. I, I tend to tended to understand... Well, people understood me here, the players as a group, I think, and I managed to grow, you know, quite quite significantly as a coach here and expand who I am as a, 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 uh, not only as a coach but as a leader. So it seemed to fit. And at the beginning, did I think I would be here still nine years later into my ninth year? Probably not. Um, but look, that's the way it's evolved. Each year, I felt more and more comfortable. Um, you know, I, my my, my Wishes that I could probably you know coach you for another five to ten years. Really, I, I enjoy it. I love it. I, I, I do. I'm here, and if it's like, I'll be very happy. I have no desire to go back to Australia. To tell you the truth, to coach at this stage, but um, you never know. This this game's funny. It can it can serve something up from week to week and, and, and change your whole perspective. And um, look, at all going well. I'd, I'd hope that I can continue. Obviously, he was an incredibly important part of uh, winning the Grand Slam. Uh, yeah, absolutely massive. I think because he came in at a time, we, you know, we'd had. Um, I think Mike Ford was probably our, one of our first defensive coaches. Then Graham Steadman came in. I think that, you know, in, in both cases, their 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 course ran or it, they ran their course, I should say. And then Kissy came in, and I think immediately, you're, you know, he's right. We, you know, we took and took to um, the way. He messaged um, the simplicity surrounding it, even though we were talking about some very technical things. But for me, you know, initially in the defensive point of view, what what made him stand apart is, and it's so important in understanding, in everyone understanding systems where there's no grey area. You have to have black and white. And sometimes, you know, you'll have a you'll have a brainstorming session in a backs meeting or in in, in a team meeting. And you'll all just need to buy into one outcome. You don't know if it's necessarily the right thing, but provided everyone buys into it, you you know you you'll actually be served relatively well. I even, was even watching Leinster at the weekend, and I saw there was a couple of bad decisions made in midfield, but Dave Carney reacted with those people and shut it down and made you know, big collisions as a result. Now it's not great defence, but if everyone defends together, there's a lot more chance of you having success. And Kissy definitely brought that to our setup and gave us a huge confidence, and then turned our our defence into attack, into a weapon. And that used to be something we looked forward to, rather than oh we don't have the ball anymore. Now it's about getting excited, having, ha- having you know, to the the opportunity to kill, you know, to, to have big collisions, kick chase, getting after, putting people under pressure. So it became another big aspect to the game rather than you know the secondary part to rugby. Yeah, 
You seem to enjoy all that, Les. Sorry, I missed that one. You seem to enjoy that part of the game. That the yeah, yeah, I do. I yeah, I enjoy it. Um, look, the whole part of it, rugby. Um, you know, everyone knows I'm from a league background, but I've been longer in rugby now than I was in league as a coach, in particular. But it's the fascinating elements of the game uh, still excite me. It still drives me. I, you know, looking on all parts of the game as I do now, um, being being in charge up here. It really excites me on a daily basis. Um, you know, I'm up to my eyeballs in every game, and I'm really enjoying it. So, um, ultimately, uh, I think you're as, as valid as and as relevant as as a group of players that are willing to follow you um, and the people around you. I've got good coaches around me, with Dougie Clarkie and, and Joe Barricat. You know, and now I'm alone. That's a big plus for me. And the Bryn Cunning, you know, right in the end, really. You, you, We've got a good group, and that excites me every day. So I'm really enjoying it. As a head coach, Casey, are you are you a good delegator, or do you like you know keeping a little piece of the big pie to yourself, or being you know the overall decision maker? Or are you good at sh- shepherding out to different coaches, uh, the guys that you just mentioned? Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think I'm a mix of both at times. I'm trying to work myself out sometimes. You know how I'm a little bit quirky at times, but the the actual. You know, I've, I've taken a big hand in the attack. That was my first brief when I came here. I just wanted to reshape the, the, the tactical acumen and the, and the movement and shape of how we get around the park. Having someone like Doki next to me is a great foil. You know, he, he's got a very good tech, he's a very good technical coach, and particularly with starter plays, he's, I think he's one of the best in the country, if not the best. So, I do delegate uh, as necessary. In the Probably the first six months, I was probably more of a control freak, just to get my head around the landscape and understand it all. But look, I, I think I, I, I come between the two. You know, there's, there's blasts at times when, in, in a week where I might just go into a, a brainstorm and then suddenly I've got you know five minutes of vision and I just take over a meeting and, and deliver it that way. But, but in the in the main, you know, I try to mix it up and, and delegate, and I'm doing that more and more now that I'm comfortable. In terms of of the role here and, and the people around me, and um, I'm really enjoying that part of it. So, so what will happen? Is it right? Did I hear that Joe Barakat is uh, is going to force yes. uh, at Christmas time? So, will you then? Will you will you look at replacing him or look at at just taking well, over that yourself? Yeah, the the actual uh, you know, my my arrangement with Joe at the time because I was at the World Cup, I needed you know someone who I knew well and knew most of my, the way I worked in my systems, but also someone who had their own nuances and he came in and did a really good job. He's, you know, we've got the best defence at the moment, only second to uh, just ahead of um, Ospreys. But at the, um, at the moment, oh, at the time we said, look, if, if you ever got any opportunity, I wouldn't stand in your way and I'd consider him leaving. Now that's come to play. He leaves at Christmas and um, now we wish him well. He's done a great job. What we will do, we won't replace this year. We will continue with the coaching group. I've had good discussions with them and the professional game board. Um, there's obviously parts that I will take on, but I I know the appetite by the other coaches to take certain components of the defence on as well is is massive. So you know they've got a really good mindset about grabbing a little bit more and, and learning. Um, we've got the capacity in the group in terms of our experience and skills to do that. Um, and, and you know I will certainly take up some part of it, but not all of it. I think it's a a good shared model that we do in coaching here. We cross across each other's domain and, and share knowledge and work together. And um, and that's important to me because at any given day, any coach could be down for a week or two or you know, a day or two and someone needs to be able to step into that space. So 
I've tried to work on making sure that was existent, and, and now we have a challenge on that, and I think we'll live up to it because I've got good people around me. Last question, Les, and it's kind of slightly unfair. It's, it's about your own expectations for what this Ulster team can achieve this season. You've been around teams that have won silverware, um, and the the team are playing such a brilliant brand of rugby at the moment that there is a, a level of excitement, and with that excitement, the fans get carried away, and we all think, ah, oh, something special could be on the verge of happening right here, and, and you must feel that too. So, do you pitch realistically for yourself and and the team? We need silverware because that's exactly what we're in the game for. Or do you try and not have such a predetermined, defined, and quite far away target? A uh, really good question. Really good question because you know when I was first approached around the uh, the possibility of, of coming up here and joining as the uh, as the director of rugby and, and take over the program. I, the compelling thing for me was the ambition and vision of the place. You know, like uh, the way it was sold to me by Shane Logan was 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 really impressive. Uh, what they've done up here, it's, you can see it in bricks and mortar. The facilities here, but um, um, in that you have to think about what what are you coming here for, and, and the ambition up here is massive. It'd be wrong of me to come up here and say, look, if we get to the semis every year, we'll be happy. Part of me feels a duty to just say, look, I'm here to help us try and realise a dream that a lot of people have had up here and there's a lot of work over over many years, you know, with a lot of coaches and a lot of players to try and achieve something um, for the first time for a lot of years. And it would be remiss of me, I think, to say that that isn't our ambition or my ambition. It doesn't mean I I think it's a certainty. It just means that I, I'll make a commitment to try and do whatever I can to realise that, you know, to realise a trophy and and get get through that that sort of threshold that hasn't been able to to be reached in recent years, and and hopefully with myself and, and, and the strategy and the plan I put in place, and, and the good people around me working hard, and the players really taking on their part to play in it, that we can achieve it. So, you know, I, I don't I don't want to be bullish to the point of arrogance. It's not about that. I just I just think it's a duty to 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 make that intention clear that that, that that's what I'd love to do, and with the group of people I have to do that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I think there's a capacity and a possibility there, but it's not a guarantee and we have to do the right things along the way. We've got plenty of good players. Uh, I think we've built our depth even over the last 12, 12 18 months it's building. Um, we plan to build it even deeper, but the capacity is there. You know, even despite the fact that, you know, that Ruan might be with us, we have to, you know, feel strong around that. And the truth is, the, the fact is Ruin was here for a number of years and, and that's part of the decision why he's not here, but we have to then be bigger than those decisions and make sure that we can still operate with um, uh, with the players that we have and, and build that belief system and, and live up to the ambition that's there. So, look, in a nutshell, I, 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 I think it would be remiss to say that I just want to make semis or something like that. I think it's important that... I do say that I'd love to win trophies. I want to try and win trophies with this mob um, and, and, and hopefully it works that way. Well, it's fair play. I think uh, you can't be any more honest than that. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for talking to us. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Appreciate Jesse. it. Thanks a lot. Off the Ball with BetDAC.com, the sports betting exchange. Serious about sports 24-7. Every season, every sport, every team.